COVID hit, the model to remote work changed, and these new regulations hit at the same time. And so we were dealing with a bit of a, a double or triple whammy there. You know, one was an opportunity, of course, one was a challenge. Welcome back or welcome to Toughest Call, a podcast for organizational leaders where we hear stories from your leadership colleagues about career-defining decisions. I'm your host, Chaz Thorne. In this episode, I'm talking with Dave Reeve about a tough call he made transitioning his 28-year-old business from a service model to software. Dave is the CEO of Investorcom, a leading compliance technology provider to the wealth management industry. Like many other leaders I've talked to recently, COVID helped hasten a change that was in the works for some time. Interestingly, it wasn't making the call that was tough, but the implementation of it. What was particularly challenging was managing the difficult conversations with staff that inevitably happen when you transition out of a long-standing pillar of your organization. We run a business that I founded back in 1992, so it's been around for a long, long time. And, you know, the DNA of the business is documents. We've um, served, you know, largely the financial services industry. We've outsourced a lot of their document management. And the business has really evolved uh, to a uh, compliance-focused company. And so, you know, we will all know as clients of financial services company just how much compliance and you know, um, uh, documents you get related to operations, whether it's, you know, the, your bank statements or your investment statements or compliance documents. And so, you know, it just as a background of the businesses really manage that for some of Canada's lar- largest wealth leaders. And uh, I don't need to tell you historically, all of those documents were physical and, you know, we're going through a pretty dramatic transformation towards digital. And yet, you know, like with many transformations, certainly in large industries like financial services, that can be quite slow. So just the kind of the point of context is the pace of that transformation and how that has been influenced over the last 12 months, particularly, you know, as we've all kind of moved to a virtual operational posture. And, and, and uh, that's, of course, accelerated a lot of the digitization of the business. Your your decision, you had been thinking about it for a while, was really about moving from this this services model to more of a software model. So when, even though you kind of knew this was the direction that, that your business needed to move, what did the resistance look like prior to COVID in terms of moving in that direction? We as consumers, and I would I would underline we as Canadian consumers, are relatively change averse. That we're not, you know, just as a, a, a population of people that you know we 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 don't change our habits or our practices that quickly. I think Chaz, when you overlay that with the financial services industry, that you know they're dealing with new regulations, they're dealing with you know a ton of legacy. IT issues that, you know, they are not as an industry, a shining example of transformation either. And so it's kind of an interesting combination. Um, You know, if you look at any, you know, remarkably exciting digital businesses, one thing you find is most of them are brand new, you know, Uber, well, it's a brand new business. Why? Well, they have 
They have no legacy challenges. Look at Shopify, fully digital, no legacy challenges. The, the, the issue in financial services, these businesses are a century old or more. What was your justification for that move for your business specifically? You know, our positioning was really being client responsive. For example, a couple of our clients came to us and we had long, long-term relationships, you know, uh, basically on a kind of outsourcing service level with these clients. And these, these are clients you'd recognize, you know, a couple of the major banks and very large asset managers in Canada. So they came to us back in 2015 because they were faced with some new regulatory challenges. And the regulatory challenges really required a software solution for them to become compliant. So, you know, we were really responding to a wonderful opportunity. I mean, you know, the, the, the very best way to build a business is to have a client ask you for your help, which they did. What happens that allows you to accelerate that transition other than the obvious COVID happens, but what was the positioning around that with, especially with your internal team? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think COVID hitting, um, I think it's difficult to say that COVID alone was the, was, was, was really the, um, the, the single event that uh, caused us to change because for us, uh, our relationships were starting to shift uh, pre-COVID. Um, and importantly, in our business, we help our financial services clients deal with regulation. So kind of coincidental with COVID where, you know, a couple of the largest uh, wealth reform regulations in North America. You know, the other thing I would add is we knew pre-COVID that the software business was likely our future. What we couldn't do is assign a t you know, kind of a timeline for a kind of a real uh, kind of reset of the business. But I will say that, you know, the, uh, um, the world moving to virtual combined with these regulations made us accelerate our transformation. So at that point, the decision is made. And now you move into the implementation of that decision. What happens at that point? You know, we did a couple of things. Number one is we, we, we looked at um, what we were doing and we made a decision to outsource a lot of the physical production to a, a, a third party, to a partner of ours. Uh, you know, that was really difficult because that displaced a, you know, a group of our team members that again, had been extremely valuable uh, uh, members of our team. Uh, but, you know, ultimately it was something we had to do because that was a declining business and that, that were also a business that required a lot of capital expenditure. And we really needed to, I'll call it, uh, turn that tap off and redeploy those funds into our software business. And then, you know, we made a decision to um, sell our, our, our physical warehouse and then lease back half of it. And so, you know, all, now what you've done is you've taken your, uh, your, your physical business. And let's face it, a lot of us really associate where we go to work with kind of the physical surroundings. So now all of a sudden we've shrunk that in half. And, uh, and that was tough. I mean, that was a really, really difficult decision. You know, the real estate transaction super easy. But uh, what's really difficult is, is the impact on the people. And, and uh, so that was, uh, that was difficult. Um, you know, ultimately we made that decision sort of 
six months, five or six months into COVID as we knew that that physical side of our business was going to, you know, really, really shrink um, uh, through COVID. And, you know, a lot of people say our business is shrinking through COVID, but it's going to recover. I mean, our assessment was this business is not going to recover. What was the mood amongst your amongst your staff, particularly those that were going to be the most heavily affected by this change? And how how did you communicate with them to um, through that through that change process? We've got a couple people on our team that have gone through some of the structural change before. And they were incredibly valuable in getting our communication strategy clear because one of the th- one of the decisions we made is people will be affected, and you can't sugarcoat that. But here are two things that we want to make sure we do well. Number one is people that are on board for the uh, uh, transition. Um, and what I mean by that is people that are either have the skills to transition to you know, kind of the software side of our business or are prepared to make the investment in those skills, we are going to support them in that regard. And that that's that's point number one. Point number two is, you know, to be very open and transparent that um, this will not include everyone. The transition will not include everyone. But one thing we will do is we'll be very clear and open. And should, um, should you know someone's job be impacted by our decision we're going to treat them fairly um, as as they exit the business what was the darkest point for you dave during this during this time this moment where you were just like okay i know this is the right decision for the business but man this is hard Yeah, you know, Chaz, it's it's a combination, I think, of two things. Number one, it's the people, for sure. Um, you know, we are a 28-year-old business. And so, you know, several of the people that left the business have been with us, you know, a decade or longer. Um, and uh, so that's that's very, very difficult. Um, you know, we've, we've always, I think, been viewed as our, um, with amongst our employees as being a very forward-looking, agile, business that, you know, is constantly changing, but the change heretofore included the team and this change, you know, all of a sudden didn't include everyone. And so, you know, really that kind of, I, I'd say that emotional impact was significant um, uh, for me and for, 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 for a lot of our team members. I think the second part that was really difficult is, you know, when you force a business that's kind of lived in two worlds for us it was services and software there's you know i'll call it a bit of an insurance policy there you know if you know if one doesn't do well and the other does you sort of, you've kind of you know um you you've got a lot of optionality and you know of course that's good and it's bad because it means you're doing a lot of different things and um you know and not as strategically focused as you might be but as soon as you take one of those options off the table you know, there's also sort of a little bit of business risk that gets added. And, you know, I, you know, when I think of dealing with the, um, my partners in the business, I have an institutional equity partner in the business, all of a sudden they're, you know, seeing us make a decision where we're walking away from, you know, what might be viewed as a, call it a cash flow business and investing, you know, those funds into uh, uh, more of a, a software venture type of business. And so it would be those two things. I mean, there's, there's no question in my mind that the people, 
uh, impact is the biggest one, but kind of that, I'll call it that strategy piece where you're doubling down on your new future. Um, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong, but, um, but there's, you know, a little bit of uh, that kind of counterbalance of, oh boy, uh, we better make sure we're successful in this new world. So how do you bridge that gap in conversations with functional, uh, functional staff to help them understand the need for change? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, first of all, it's never easy. Um, uh, you know, I, I would say that a couple things that we've done uh, that we will continue. These are kind of new habits we've created that we will continue to um, follow. Number one is we started meeting every single week for 30 minutes with our entire team to talk about uh, what we were doing and what changes we were making. We, with feedback from our team, by the way, have backed those off to bi-weekly um, just because of, you know, uh, kind of availability to meet. But I mean, this notion of regular communications with absolutely everyone um, in the company um, has been super helpful in terms of communicating that strategy. That's one. Two is, you know, data. Uh, there's nothing better than, you know, when you look at trends in a business and you've got one side of your business that's going one way and one side of your business that's going the other way. And by the way, one way is negative and one, one way is positive. You know, that data is awfully helpful in terms of communicating where you're headed. And so let me use the example of outsourcing uh, some of our print production, which is what we did. You know, it was very clear that, uh, you know, where those uh, businesses were going and, and, uh, and the impact on, on, uh, on our future. And so, you know, I think the more you share data, uh, the more people understand, you know, ultimately what is strategy? Strategy is putting plans together to respond with every reality of, of you know, what you're facing. Uh, you know, maybe that's a oversimplified view of strategy, but, you know, regardless of the level you are in a company, Chaz, I would say that if you get 10 people from, you know, top to bottom in a company and they're presented with the same set of data, you're going to be surprised how many people make the same decision. You've now gone through at least a, a significant part of this transition. So where does that put your company at now? Uh, we've tremendously simplified our business and allowed us to focus, you know, uh, I'd say laser focus on, um, the you know very specific things that are going to drive our success in 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 our, our software future, and so I'll get, give you just a couple of super quick examples. One example is that um, we're we're now you know kind of from a you know each quarter our, our senior team gets together and we establish um, two or three objectives that are you know absolutely necessary to complete in this quarter in order to achieve our our kind of growth in the software business. And, you know, one thing that I, I, I know I've shared with you is we launched our U.S. business in March of 2020. Uh, so, you know, kind of the, our software transformation is, is market independent. You know, it's, it's, it's across the markets we serve and, and our business was primarily a Canadian business. So, you know, we've launched in the U.S. Um, one of the things incidentally we've done, which is, you know, also added a complexity is while we've 
reduced a big chunk of our workforce on the physical side of the business. Frankly, we've hired in, in another part of the business as well. And so, you know, kind of that, I'll call it redeployment of resources been a big part of, uh, of, of what we've done. And, you know, I feel that we're extremely well positioned to realize our uh, success in some of the growth areas of the business that are focused on the digital or software side. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been great strategically and um, you know, it's remarkable how many people have embraced uh, the change, you know, not everyone has, but remarkable how many people have and how many people have, have come to us and come to me to say, you know, I'd really like to invest in skills to be part of the future of the business. So it's, you know, that's super rewarding. Um, and, and of course the rewards need to offset some of the, you know, uh, the tougher decisions that, you know, have been made over the course of the past year or so feel like we're really well positioned and, and uh, everyone's fairly aligned on what we need to do to, uh, to have success in the future. What have you learned or is there anything that you would potentially do differently if you were faced with a, with a similar challenge again? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I've learned that it's really important to be brave as a leader um, that, that, you know, uh, to, um, first of all, be very open and, 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 you know, open to input and, and, uh, and collaboration amongst your team. But ultimately, uh, you need to, I'll call it, pull the triggers. You need to be, you know, you need to make those decisions and whether the decision is to exit a, uh, you know, uh, sort of re- real estate oriented physical business like, like we had, um, you know, to, to, to actually make those decisions. And then of course there are, there are stakeholders that are, you know, every step of the way there's multiple stakeholders in those, those decisions, but, um, you know, ultimately it comes down to the leader who's, who's making those calls, uh, making the calls to hire people in the face of reducing people in other parts of the business. And so, you know, I, I think um, I think you know. Listen, all, all good leaders are very sensitive that everyone's um, needs are considered in making decisions. But but when the decisions need to be made, um, you know, I'll use the word brave. I, I, when I say that word, it sounds it sounds a little self congratulatory, and I don't have exactly the right word there, um, Chaz. But you know, to be I think you know very um, uh, intentional about what you're doing is, is, is important. And if I could turn back time, would I accelerate some of those decisions? I might, um, I might, uh, but, but frankly, the course of the last year has, you know, enabled us to uh, uh, make those decisions. And I think may, may make the decisions with broad support across our company. If you'd like to learn more about Dave and his work, check out Investorcom.com. If you're in wealth management, asset management, or insurance, their suite of solutions will help you easily stay on top of your compliance requirements. And if you'd like some assistance with your own tough calls, we've compiled a collection of free tools just for you. Go to toughestcall.com to check them out. If you're not yet a subscriber to Toughest Call, please add us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
I hope this conversation helps you when faced with your next tough call.